0: been a heck of a week but we're here with linux and ham shack well, i want you to meet the host of our show russ
1: out there in arkansas k5 tux say hello to everybody russ good evening everyone or good day or good morning whenever you happen to be listening to the podcast this is russ k5 tux up in north central arkansas and down in the bunker in east central texas there's richard actually i feel more
0: like a flea on a griddle right now it was 105 degrees today and you made me turn my air conditioner off so i don't know what i'm gonna do but we will persevere okay we've had a lot of stuff going on this week i've got uh folks i've talked to and this that and other and we got things up and running and holy cow so why don't we just get started with some of the feedback here what you got on your plate over there Russ?
1: now why do you always call me when you know i don't have anything in front of me <laughs>
0: <laughs> well let me do this all right we will do we will do it this way i have one that i think was uh pointed at the other podcast but hey it can help over here we'll go ahead and read it anyway it says hi richard i really like your podcast it makes uh the drive to work from salina to richardson much more enjoyable I like the idea of a live show and a roundtable. That's why we do a live show over here, and we need you folks to sign up for the roundtable discussion. I have a pretty good audio set up at the the house and would like to participate. Now, he's offered to participate, and I sent him one back that said, uh, show up, and we'll see what happens. I like talking about the hobby, and it would also give me some podcast experience. And that's what uh, all of y'all listening to us right now, if you show up in the live chat while we're recording, uh, you're very liable to end up on air. We don't mind. We don't mind at all because the more the merrier. It goes on. May I say, too, that I like your attitude towards new hams. In a recent podcast, you talked about APRS and how some hams must feel left out of the hobby because they cannot get the latest and greatest hardware. I run APRS daily, but no, it took me forever to get that dual band rig. I have always been a on a budget as far as radio stuff goes, and being married 30 plus years to the same woman can tell you that every purchase has to be approved by the boss, and I feel for him because I have a similar situation. I think we lose a lot of young hams these days because, quite frankly, a lot of hams just don't seem to want to do the, the elmer thing and help them out it is a shame i have been uh, snubbed on hf more times than i can count trying to get in on a qso a with some of these uh, big gun old timers that park on a frequency for hours on end i was told one time that my low power signal was really messing up their qso and that i should go away not exactly what I, I would call a hobby building and welcoming attitude. Anyway, my call sign is N0JRJ. I am a general class ham. I work in the telecom field. have a lot of PC and radio experience. I like portable emergency operations. Digital modes, heck, I like it all. I love to share and teach, and I love to learn. Please let me know if I can help in any way. seventy three OM. And all the best. George N0JRJ. Now, the reason I brought that to y'all is because he makes a lot of good points, even though it may be pointed at the other show. You know, I keep talking about we need to foster and take care of these new guys when they come in and do our best to make them feel welcome. One of the episodes he was talking about was uh, here locally, got a thing going on right now where some of the guys that have been around for years and can go throw down hundreds of dollars at the candy store up in Plano. Decide they're going to make these public service events that where you have to have fairly expensive to put together stuff. And these new guys are not going to be able to afford that. And I've been fighting them over it and everything else. But like I said, it, you know, if y'all show up, you have the capability. We'll put you in the chat room. We'll put you on a microphone. Shoot. We'll put you on video if we can get away with it. So, Russ, do you have anything to say on that one?
1: Well, George in Zero jrj sounds a lot like me. He's got the same profession, he's got the same general aptitude for amateur radio, I think, and I think we're all in the same boat when it comes to buying hardware, except for those of us who are independently wealthy, or those of you, I should say, that are independently wealthy, because I can't include myself in that. Unfortunately, I'm sort of one for the instant gratification, so I like all the pre-packaged rigs with all the cool stuff in them, but... I can't afford that so right now i've got a couple that are sitting behind me on the floor not even plugged in because i don't know what's wrong with them and glad he wrote in he had a couple of great points in there and uh, it's always nice to have another listener so thanks george and uh, continue to listen to the podcast and if you come in with a microphone we'll definitely try and get you on the air
0: i'm gonna see how things work out i might do an experimental uh resonant frequency live tomorrow night we'll see what happens
1: okay so uh what have you got russ well i'll start with something simple i got or we got another donation our third donation to the podcast Yay. yeah uh this one comes from walter and his call signs kv6m and we just want to put that out there that we got another donation and i want to thank walter for sending the money on in and like we always say, once we find something useful to do with the podcast, we will reinvest the, those funds and make your listening and viewing experience better. And I think one of the first things that money is going to go towards is a new webcam for me so I can actually get back on the video. He'd been breaking his equipment. I told him to make applesauce, not, not
0: camera sauce. Well, well, thank you, KV6M. And you are the hero of the week at Linux in the Ham Shack. Okay, so uh, the next one we got comes out of the forums over at uh, uh, BlackSparrowMedia.com. This comes from Rodzilla, who did not sign with a name or call sign. Russ and I have been debating this a little bit, but let me go ahead and read it to you. It says, Hello, I'm a long-time Linux user, computer geek, and will soon, I hope, get my technician license. Oh, okay, he doesn't have his call sign yet. I should pay attention. When I take my test in early August i am currently getting my rig together i've purchased an astron rs20 good power supply i've got one and i'm leaning towards as well as ham friends pointing me towards a Yezu ft 8800 as my first radio i'm going to be primarily using it in the house but also in my truck at times hope to get another radio later later on so i don't have to keep moving it to and from the house vehicle and that's a good idea because it can sure be a pain moving radios around i like the ft8800 as it it's almost like having two radios in one letting you listen in on two frequencies at the same time the crossband repeating will also come in handy later i have not found where hamlib g-rig etc Support the FT-8800. Does anyone else know if support is coming or how I could help once I get my radio? I'm also going to purchase the programming software and data cable for the radio. I do have a Windows partition for the occasion when Wine isn't up to the task. Has anyone had any success with the RT programming Windows software running under Linux? Okay, so Rodzilla, uh, first of all, I went out and did some research. I went and looked around. I wasn't familiar with the FT-8800. I've never been a Yaesu kind of guy. I do have a Yaesu HF rig now. But uh, for the most part, I really haven't used them much. So I went and checked into it, and it seems that that particular radio, being a VHF, UHF, dual-band radio, FM only, may you may have a hard time finding rig control software for it because... Even though there are VHF, UHF, dual band FM radios that do have rig control, it's not supported in a lot of radios. And I'm going to say that because that's the way it came down as far as my research. Now, Russ has, a, has some different information. We'll get to that in just a second. As far as it being a good radio, the crossband being helpful, all this other stuff, you bet it's going to be a good radio. And if you can afford to jump into a dual-bander right out of the gate, good going. Go to it. But uh, let's see. I'm sure Russ has got a few things to say, and that'll give me a a chance to organize my thoughts. I have them over here on index cards.
1: Go ahead, Russ. I was actually looking at picking up the FT-880 or 8800 for myself. I think that's one of the dual-banders that has the removable faceplate or where the head unit disassembles from the main body. I've got a couple of FM dual-banders But I wanted to get one of those because they're easier to mount. and Some of them even have, I think it's like 18 or 20 foot cords between the head unit and the main case. It lets you put them anywhere, which is really cool. As far as the cabling for rig control, there is a data cable for the FT-8800s and a lot of the FM Yaesu rigs. But it looks like they are only for programming and for uh, syncing memory across rigs. I couldn't find anything that actually said you could use rig control with it, and I'm not sure that there's any documentation that says it's supported in hamlib or even under Windows rig control. I was under the impression that my Kenwood has, it's an FM dual bander, and I was under the impression that it, is, it has rig control. I could be wrong about that, and i am it definitely does not look like the FT8800 does. It looks like there is potential for rig control at some point because there is uh, data connectivity with the with the unit. But whether anyone's going to whether uh, Yezu or anyone else is going to put out software to actually do computer controlling of the radio is anyone's guess.
0: That's the whole deal. Um, make sure you can find out everything you can about it. Go ahead and get the one that works best for you. As far as rig control you're really not going to be able to use that driving down the road anyway and as far as programming you're going to use a totally different different uh, set of software for that anyway
1: so we got through that pretty well so what else you got russ well there were a couple of comments posted to the linux in the ham shack website over the past few days one of which was a post by k6 something he asterisked out his call sign I guess so the uh, web spiders wouldn't you know overtake him he gives a step-by-step instructions on how to compile FL Digi under a 64-bit system for anybody who that might be useful for if you're running a 64-bit OS version of Ubuntu or Red Hat or any of those you can use that and that's pretty helpful tip his explanation is for Ubuntu specifically but it should uh, match up for most other Linux distributions and there was another post that or another comment on the site that I didn't actually publish because I didn't understand where it came from but I'm gonna read it just so that if person who actually sent the post in could clarify what they're talking about and or repost a comment to the website, I'd be happy to publish it. The comment says, you need to add lib sample rate 0-dev to part 2, and that's all it says, so I'm not sure what they're referring to, what he's referring to, whether that has something to do with compiling FLDigi for X64 systems, or if it's something entirely different. So if that's you, please email us back or repost the comment, and I will definitely get that out there, but as I don't understand what the point is, I'm not going to approve it at this time.
0: Yes, I was looking at that also. And the uh, the first comment when it came in, I went ahead and uh, and snatched that up and uh, posted over at one of the other websites. If there was something left out. I'd appreciate it if uh, we could make sure that we could get get our hands on that and make sure it's in there. So um, yes, please get back in touch with us, and if you could clarify that just a little bit. We would appreciate it very much. Okay, and next up, uh, I got a, uh, a Google alert from a, ham site or a website uh, this past week. Want wanted to go over and let you all know about it. We got a nice mention from the Princeton Ham Radio Club. Uh, it turns out that uh, they put a short article about Linux and Ham Shack up over there with the, uh, with the URL to the website princeton ham radio club is located in princeton kentucky so we'd like to say hello to the folks out there in kentucky we're glad y'all are listening to us and we hope that we're turning out to be a good good resource for you and your club members and don't be afraid to make copies and pass us around tell everybody about us put us on your blogs well you already put us on your
1: blog what do you think about the princeton ham club putting us up for us Thanks very much to the Princeton ham radio club. I thought you were going to say Princeton, New Jersey. I didn't even know there was a Princeton, Kentucky, but all right. We're, we're live in Kentucky or live to tape in Kentucky or something like that. And believe it or not, there's even a Princeton,
0: Texas, Princeton, Texas. Yep. The grand total of about 400 people out there and it's in the middle of nowhere, but there is a Princeton, Texas. I haven't run across flipping Texas yet, but, um, I'm going to keep trying so what else
1: have you got Russ the only other thing I've got is we have been listed on zoom.net so for all of those people out there who have a zoom and want to subscribe to our podcast you can do that now at zoom.net if you go to zoom.net or you know, it looks like social.zoom.net do a search for Linux in the ham shack it'll come up and give you a link to the RSS feed so you can download it to your Zoom if anybody's out there using one of those Microsoft gizmos we're gonna have to break you all of that we even gonna get you all on some Sansa clips you know the
0: the fact of the matter is you can even download an iPod on Linux now so they there ain't no reason no reason what so ever okay well we've pretty much gone through the feedback I believe unless you've got anything else over there Russ
1: Let's wrap up this segment. I'm I'm glad we didn't go as long on the feedback this time as we did last time. Boy, we really tore it up last time. We'll tell you about our exploits right after this.
0: so here we go uh, y'all make sure you send an email or two in let russ tell him you know let russ know y'all uh, y'all appreciate the music that he picks out for the show i don't have anything to do with that y'all if y'all have listened to the other show you hear where my where my taste takes us this past weekend i fell in with a a rough and tumble bunch i got hung up with the linux cranks and they're a bunch of good guys they really are and uh they were recording both shows on saturday night and I was, I was in there uh with them working back and forth in the chat room if anybody's listening to us from uh over there at linux cranks i want y'all to stay clear of the monorail stay clear of the monorail and uh almost ended up on the linux cranks show in fact uh i've been invited this coming weekend if i can make my stuff work so uh y'all uh y'all check that out we do have a do have a link to the uh, linux cranks linux cranks podcast augcast sorry augcast over at the website so y'all uh y'all go over and give it a click it's like i said before number one it's not family friendly and number two it is in aug format but if you're using linux and you're have an ipod it'll change it into mp3 for you so there's some incentive Number two, Russ and I have been asked to uh, do a couple segments for Hacker Public Radio. Now, for those of y'all that have been listening to uh, Linux-related podcasts for a while, I'm sure that y'all have come across Hacker Public Radio. They have some really outstanding shows over there. I've been listening to them more and more, and I'm learning so much. My head's swelling up. My hat barely
1: fits anymore. Any comments on Linux Cranks or Hacker Public Radio, Russ? Your head's swelling up. That has to do with information, does it? That's There's no other reason? No no ego issues, nothing like that? No, my ego's kind of deflated right now. Oh, that's too bad. Well, I'm excited yeah. to hear about that. I guess you sprung it on me just before the podcast, so this is my first, uh, well, second introduction to uh, the fact that we'll be doing that those segments on Hacker Public Radio. That's really cool. Hopefully one of these days you'll give me some information like what exactly we're going to be doing. Well, I will get to that. Just be be patient, little Russ. Be patient, uh, hey, I, If if you've learned nothing else, you should know I'm not patient.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll we'll get that taken care of. They they just want us to do some generalized stuff concerning Linux and amateur radio. I was uh, I made the comment uh, today on the uh, IRC channel about uh, Linux falls in line pretty much with the amateur radio philosophy, and it it pretty much does. Boy, I hate to say this because I sound like an old timer. When you get past the cell phone generation, uh, you find that uh, they both pretty much coincide as far as philosophy. Yeah, they requested we uh, drop a couple of couple little episodes on them, a couple little segments. We are going to be involved with some with a podcast or a podcast network that has over 400 episodes out at this time. 400 episodes. Holy mackerel course
1: they put out to her for a week i thought we were doing good to get to 18 hey, and, I'm, and I'm
0: slacking most of the time so we're doing great because we haven't done an
1: infomercial yet <laughs> no the hacker public radio thing definitely sounds like a lot of fun i'm looking forward to it yeah buddy we're being embraced by the
0: linux community and that's great i'm just hoping we're getting the same acceptance in the amateur radio community we just don't get a lot get as much input from that side But that's okay, because we know y'all love us, because we love y'all.
1: One of these days, I'm going to have to fire up IRC. That's one of the things that getting, you know, getting started in computers way back when and all the way up through the ranks, I, I did it pretty much all. I did, you know, Gopher and Telnet and Usenet and everything you can think of when it comes to networking and computers, but I never got into IRC. I'm making my first real run at it myself. And by the way, X-I- XIRC is a great IRC client. I guess I'll just throw that in there. It's in the All repositories. Right. Everybody, go ahead and download it if you're into IRC. Everybody, use your repositories
0: now. <laughs> oh, Russ just cut me out again.
1: <laughs> no, I'm, okay. I'm going to leave that one in because you're... <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, no, I'm going to get us an explicit tag if I ain't careful. Okay, let's move <laughs> on to something else. Uh, you, got, you got anything
1: else as far as announcements and stuff for us? no no i'll let i'll let you keep this the limelight for this episode i I got nothing okay well
0: we're gonna do this uh this is the uh, crusty old ham segment of the program you know y'all keep we keep running up on it because there's always something that's irritating me and you know i get along with most everybody that uh emails me and twitters me and and dents me I, i understand that's a word now uh because i am on identica even though I'm kind of quiet over there. But I did receive a a tweet from uh, M0GLJ, uh, Craig, and I want to read this, and then I want to explain something when I get finished. It says, Hi, Richard, KB5JBV. I just signed up for the next generation of Telecom Provider, and I think you should check it out. And I'm not going to give the damn uh, uh, URL. You can talk to people for free, with your cell phone. Holy cow. And uh, you don't need to go to the computer for calling, as you can call directly from your cell phone with mobile applications they provide. They support over 2,500 cell phones, so I am sure they support your cell phone too. To participate in the Cell revolution, sign up Now. 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 <laughs> For everybody within the sound of my voice. And I've gone and checked uh, GLG's uh, Twitter account. He normally tweets about ham radio related topics. Do not send spam to me and Russ. We don't need it. We got plenty. If we don't have plenty, we can generate our own. In the case of Richard, and I'm not sure what Russ's policy is on this. If I receive a piece of spam from somebody on Twitter, they end up receiving the ban hammer so if you want to follow us i really appreciate it on my side i really do but if you send me junk i'm going to unfollow you and that's about all i can say because i done got aggravated
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah if you keep keep it to yourself i don't have to put the red flag on the podcast so how do you feel about that, russ (laughs) yeah Spam is a sore subject for me because uh, I'm a sysadmin for an internet service provider and one of the things I do probably half of my day is deal with spam. And that's spam that's not even directed to me. That's that's everybody else's. And then, of course, when I get my own, it's all pretty aggravating. Usually, um, I do a little investigation when it comes to spam. I don't just cut people off, swing the ban hammer, and throw them into the bit bucket right away usually in a Twitter account when it's a spammer it it's pretty clear when it's just a one-time thing I don't usually uh, don't usually get too uppity about it the first time around you know because every once in a while some an exploit will come out and somebody's MySpace account will get compromised or their Twitter account will get used to spam and it really had nothing to do with them so I, I have a little leeway in there but yes if you you know if I get a bunch of spam or even you know more than one, say, from any one person, yeah, that they're gone. I, and I do appreciate every Twitter follower, and the reason is I like to be able to provide the information that everyone needs, especially when it comes to the podcast, because we want everyone out there to know when things are happening and when they can download and listen. And it's always good to get the feedback, whether it be Twitter or any of the other methods so we'd like to keep those channels open and as clear as possible and you know spam just makes it harder to get through uh, a normal day try not to spam us we're definitely not going to spam you I think that pretty much echoes your statement and I'll just shut up now because we don't want to turn this into uh, Russ and Richard's rant session resident Russ and Richard's rant
0: and roll show <laughs> all right well I'll tell you what I had one guy he uh, followed me one day and I went ahead and followed him back. And later that day, he sent me 35 auction announcements through Twitter for amateur radio-related gear. <laughs> 35. Boy, howdy. He was out of there in a heartbeat. Uh, I sent him a, sent him a message back that said, If I wanted spam, I'd open my email client. Banhammer, click. And <laughs> he spent three days trying to get me to follow him again. But that's, what, I mean... We don't try to sell you the patented uh, Armadilla brand, old beat-up housewife stretch mark recycler, and we do sell those. So we really don't want y'all to be pushing uh, your spam on us. Now, if you got something amateur radio re- related, cool. All righty, next up on our plate, now that we've run off half our listeners, is ah the article. The article I received a URL for an article this past week over on ZDNet. And for those of y'all who are who be hunting for it and maybe want to follow along, it's at http colon stroke stroke education dot ZDNet dot com question P dash two seven seven zero. The name of the article was Windows 7 is the same as Ubuntu. I got to reading this and uh, it wasn't so much as the guy was saying that Windows 7 and Ubuntu were a whole lot alike. Uh, his point in the article was pretty much that nowadays operating systems where there was a big gap in the past between Linux and Windows and uh, some of the others, there's really not that gap anymore. And in fact, uh, from what little I've seen, if there's a gap, Max, uh, max are out in the lead as far as uh, look and feel. I've never actually used one, so I couldn't tell you how they perform. However, he's talking about uh, his 17-year-old who's been using a Linux machine for a while and that kind of stuff, and he downloaded a copy of Windows 7, yeah, the release candidate, and ran it for his son for a while. And the kid, with the basic bare-bones stuff that he does, uh, what your average computer user does, he really couldn't tell the difference between Windows 7 and Ubuntu other than the fact he wanted the Ubuntu back because he preferred it take some time to read this uh, article if you get a chance what do you think about him I know you haven't had time to read the whole thing Russ but uh, what are your thoughts so far
1: well I for one tend to agree with the article I've looked at Windows 7 and of course I've spent a long time looking at Ubuntu and Debian and Linux Mint most recently and as far as look and feel, if that's what the article is really getting into, and it, it does, uh, it actually talks about some of the applications as well, not, not just, uh, how things look, but fundamentally their usability is almost exactly the same. The point and click environment and while the, like, window decorations and things like that may look a little different, there's really nothing to prevent an average user from going from Ubuntu to Windows 7 or even Windows Vista, you know the thought but when it comes to uh you said something about mac os being the leader in the the look and feel department i'm not so sure about that i think uh i think linux with compass fusion running is probably the easiest and coolest looking of the distributions out there mac os definitely comes in close and windows tries real hard but i'm not sure that they, they they do a lot of stuff that you know uses a lot of uh, video processing power but I'm not sure it has the wow factor that things like compass fusion do I've recently gotten stuff to work on Mac OS X like using uh, desktop areas and some of the things that look like compass fusion as far as moving Windows around and like the genie effects and things like that Uh, in all those ways they look similar and I actually haven't had haven't tried to set that kinda stuff up in Windows 7 so I'm, I think Linux is, a, is ahead in the look and feel department right now with uh, Mac OS 10 coming up a close second and then Windows you know lagging behind. But definitely from a functionality perspective, they're all very, very similar these days. And in fact, uh, right now I'm using a Mac Mini, which you know I'm doing the recording on and all of that stuff. All it is is just the box, and of course it's an Intel architecture inside. So aside from the fact that it's BSD underneath and looks like uh Max Aqua operating or Max Aqua desktop environment on top, I'm actually using you know a Windows keyboard, a Windows trackball and a stock monitor. So there's nothing to differentiate this from a PC really or another machine running Linux. So All of that stuff is sort of migrating together and converging into uh, a very similar experience, a similar user experience for anyone who comes to any of the operating systems.
0: Yes, Compass Fusion, I love my Compass Fusion. I really love my Compass. And uh, I've only got one machine that I've got it on because I'd never get anything done if I had it on other machines but uh the only reason i say that about the max is i have only seen them in passing i've like i said i've never had my hands on one but you you may very well be correct i would not dispute you because i'm afraid of you
1: you're not afraid of me yes i am no you Which, live too far away if I. <laughs> you're you're a scary guy <laughs> <laughs> well thanks very much for that i appreciate it
0: just remember you know some people deserve a good killing and i don't want it to be me <laughs>
1: And speaking of spam, I got my first scam email from Craigslist today. I was so excited. Naked,
0: uh, recycled stretch marks? What?
1: Oh, no, nothing as sexy as that. They just wanted to, uh, it was one of those ones where they want to buy your thing. They don't tell you who they are, and they want to send you a certified check and la, 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 and tell you, you know, that, that kind of deal.
0: Every time I tell them, send me my money, they never answer back. Yeah, anyway. funny, funny how that works yeah <laughs> yeah there you go all right so uh once again y'all uh take a little time to go read this pretty interesting little article and uh it makes a good point in fact uh, if i thought i could get away with posting it i'd post it on one of our eighteen thousand websites well it looks to me like the first segment went a little a little long This one uh, is going about average. Uh,
1: You think uh, everybody's about ready for one more break, Russ? I think we can throw one more out there. Give people something to tap their toes to for a couple of minutes, and we'll come back with some more juicy stuff on the other end.
0: Yeah, when we get back, we'll tell you some more stuff you'll never be able to use. We'll be right back.
2: And that uncertain Thursday, where I could finally be With all my invitations and my own philosophy Call me crazy while I'm shining, I call it unbelievable timing How I, I, I finally found Another me, another me, another me May another, me another, me. So now we share every day How differently we both see Patience leads to everything With a little help, with a little help From inevitability that uncertain Thursday Where I could finally be With all my invitations And in my own philosophy Call me crazy while I'm shining I call it unbelievable timing How I, I didn't know about you I opened my mouth to be true And into our time, we flew Hey, look what I found but I wasn't looking So I, so I Stumbled upon a little different kind of person and that uncertain certain Thursday Where I could finally be With all my invitations And in my own philosophy Call me crazy while I'm shining I call it unbelievable timing I, I finally found Another me Another me Another me Another me Another me, another me. Me,
0: another me, another me, another me, another me. Okay, we're in a home stretch, folks. Uh, <laughs> I was uh considering today I I was looking around the web and checking a few things out, trying to keep things in the theme of how we can pull the computers and the radios together and it fi- it dawned on me that uh, one of the things we use as amateur radio operators more than anything else, well, after radios for sure, is uh, the browser on our computer. And for the most part, the majority of us use uh, something like Firefox. Then I got to digging a little more, and I found out that there's a few useful tools out there for Firefox that can be uh, added as add-ons, search engines, that kind of stuff. And, you know, we're probably not going to be talking about a, a long segment here but we did find i did find some stuff that fairly useful you know uh recently firefox 34.5 came out it hasn't hit the repositories yet to my not well not as a branded firefox product you can install it as a browser which i believe doesn't have any branding attached to it and that kind of stuff but we're not going to get off on that we're going to we're going to talk a bit a little bit about some plugins you can go out there and find the first thing, and first and most important thing that we normally do with our browser is go hunt somebody down. We want to know what their address is, what their QSL information is, so we can send them a card or put them in Logbook of the World or whatever. For a long time, you've been able to get uh, search engine add-ons for Firefox. Now, when Firefox upgrades, some of them quit working. But as I was looking around today, there's currently... Uh, call sign search engine add-ons for the uh 3.0 edition of firefox or the arrl qrz and there's one from ae7q who has several things going over there it's a really big if you're really interested in uh amateur radio licensing statistics you know new licenses old licenses who has uh, what kind of call, that kind of stuff. I mean, there's a really, it's got more information on licensing than you could ever imagine. But, uh, you can go uh, download these things, and I'm hoping I still got my hands on them the way I'm supposed to. Well, let's go over to AE7Q's site. Now, AE7Q's site, when you first uh, go over there, you're going to you're going to see uh, a bunch of statistics on the front page. But if you'll take a little time and look around, you'll find that uh, he's got a few notes on some applications he's used and that kind of stuff, some uh, information on Part 97, Part 15, uh, Part 1, Part 2 of Title 47. You know, the FCC rules, we, we go under, and we can't just say Part 97 because we're affected by some of the other sections also but you can also go look around and when you get back in there i'm and i'm starting with him because he's got more than one little add-on he has a search engine uh add-on that you can use when you go in there and type in a call sign especially if you don't put too many bees in it uh it goes ahead and pulls information what from what appears to be the uls system for those of you who don't know what the ULS system is, it's the system that the FCC uses to keep track of the information concerning your amateur radio license. And uh, it even pulls down information from the pre-ULS ULS system because ULS has only been in effect for, I believe, it's only been about 10 years. So when I put in my call sign, not only do I pull up my current license information, my name, what type type of applicant I am, what my operator class is, region, whether it's active or not. I pull up the grant date, the effective date, and the expiration date. And if it were canceled for some reason, if I passed away and it got canceled, that would be there. If uh, I was bad and they took it away from me, that would be there. But I also pull up the pre-ULS information, which even shows my original technician license date which i was licensed about nine months earlier as a novice so if y'all decide to go over and check it out then there you go now you can pick uh you can pick this up it goes in just like any other add-on any other any other search engine add-on in firefox but also a7q has one for taking a look at grid squares which is a useful item that I had not run across before for Firefox. And you type in the grid square, and it will show you the grid square on a Google map in your browser. Now, this could become important if you want to know where somebody's located, that kind of stuff. It's city level when it opens up, but you can expand on out just like you can with any Google map. It gives you all the regular stuff, and it will show you all the streets and stuff like that in that particular grid square. We'll move over to the uh, the Mozilla De- Developer Org, which is where we were getting our search engine plugins from. Over there, you'll be able to locate the WRL call sign uh, plugin. You'll be able to locate the uh, QRZ plugin, and in fact, there's about three different variations on the QRZ plugin. Um, the, I'm still running the original one because I keep moving my profiles around and I normally move them from an older copy of Firefox to a newer copy of Firefox on a different machine. So they never actually get dumped out and they continue to work. But I noticed today that there's about four variations on these particular, uh, particular search engine add-ons everybody's got one that's a little different some of them work some of them don't work uh, because they're designed for older versions uh also we have add-ons for the arrl's call sign database now the AWRL call sign database is going to be pretty much like the one we looked at over it over at ae 7 qs uh, website it shows pretty much the same same information without the older stuff it pulls the database information from the FCC but only from the ULS system and will give you name address call sign license class all that good stuff FRN number and that kind of stuff now one of the reasons I was able to find a lot of this stuff today is because and I don't talk about the league very often so y'all listen to me close Uh, there's a lot of information on the league website that uh you can't get at if you're not a league member and it's really good information so uh you might at least want to go over to your friend's house who is a league member and take a look because uh i know for sure there's a i was looking at a generator design it's a lawnmower engine and a alternated car alternator that is on over there that's in a pdf file but you can't get at that PDF file unless you remember I'm not going not going to beat the league to death because that's not what we're about here or at the other show. Now we're going to go over to n0hr.com n0hr.com he's had a couple of plugins for several years. One is called PropFire. Propfire is a propagation program which will uh, is also, believe it or not, a Firefox plug-in. And it is supposed to be able to give you information on, you know, your solar numbers, uh, whether the it's active, if there's uh, problems going on, you know, just general space weather type stuff. But instead of having to go to a website and stuff, it is a, a Firefox plugin. They also have another one over there, uh, one called Prop Stats. Now, PropStats takes you to the website so that you can get the information off of it. If any of y'all have been to the Resonant Frequency uh, blog page where we post the Resonant Frequency program, then uh, you see something that is similar to PropStats, but it's from a different service. So this is another one that y'all can add to your uh, Firefox plugins. Last but not least, I want to talk about VA3STL's web blog i found a page over there which lists a lot of these things and that reminds me now that i'm seeing it uh, there's also out there a plugin called ham info bar and there is one called ham links toolbar from n0hr where we just were i have not had any success with ham links toolbar and get it installed but it doesn't give me any information ham info toolbar on the other hand i was able to get installed have taken a look at it and there is a lot of useful information that is already in this toolbar and you can add links as you need them when you need them it'll show you uh different locations you can go to concerning uh space and radio it'll allow you to add rss feeds even allow you to check your mail from the toolbar now i don't normally like adding a lot of toolbars to firefox simply because I like that real estate. I want the room. I want to be able to put my stuff where I might. I want to open 18 windows at once and be able to see them all. So that's why I don't normally do toolbars. But for those of you out there that use them, wonderful. Now I'm going to say this, and uh, for those of y'all who uh, have accused us of being window haters, most of these, most of these plugins are available for Internet Explorer. Now, I'm going to say that, and I'm going to attach, but why would you use Internet Explorer? If you are using Internet Explorer, then that's your own fault. Russ, do you have anything to add, or have I put you to sleep again?
1: If you are using Internet Explorer, that is definitely your own fault. I have. Uh, we actually have uh, put in place a policy at work, and I probably shouldn't bring this up, but I'm going to anyway, where we will uninstall IE8 because you can't even begin to imagine all of the things that IE8 breaks but if you can't imagine it just you know sit down and think about it for a while and everything you can imagine that would break it's broken and uh, Microsoft has had the forethought to make IE8 a critical update so all of you who automatically do updates on your PCs have IE8 and I'm sorry I had a couple of things on uh, interesting 3d plugins for Firefox I don't know if that's useful or not you want me to go for that or uh, I don't have any really comments on the ham radio ones you've covered all the ones I was familiar with well go ahead and stick them on in there because that'll help us beef up the program (laughs) (laughs) I just wanted to mention a couple of interesting plugins for Firefox that don't do anything really to add functionality to the to the browser but what they do is create cool 3D effects. And since everything is kind of going 3D these days, I want to mention these things. The first one is a plugin called Foxtab. What that does is it basically takes all of your tab browsing and it can spread it out onto your screen in a 3D way, um, which is highly customizable. You can create a big curved wall of all of your tabs. You can create a sort of Rolodex index, you can make a circular index, and all of this is in 3D space and customizable and has a keystroke functionality and mouse functionality that allows you to spin through your various tabs and in most cases you'll be able to see all of your tabs all at once so you can go directly to a page or you can cycle through if you have uh, so many that you can't see them all. So for that, uh, definitely check out Foxtab. And then there's another similar plugin called Cool Iris, which basically does a lot of what Foxtab does, but it does it for pictures. If you're doing picture browsing, picture searching, or anything like that on the web, it will create a giant three-dimensional wall of images that allows you to easily browse through and scan uh, different pictures and definitely both eye candy stuff Uh, a lot of fun and definitely uh, gives you the wow factor when you're uh, browsing the web so definitely cool uh, add-ons foxtab and cool iris c-o-l-i-r-i-s if that wasn't too clear
0: for iris I ever met was kind of cool
1: and I have another topic that I'd like to talk about briefly that has nothing to do with amateur radio but it has to do with Linux and I think I've mentioned it once before in a couple of previous podcasts, I mentioned a well, someone mentioned it to us, I believe, and then I mentioned it a couple of times. An application called Synergy. Have you seen Synergy? I've heard of
0: it. Larry, Larry turned me on to it over at Going Linux.
1: Well, it's uh, I guess it's officially now called Synergy Two. You can find it at Synergy Two At first glance it doesn't look like it does very much, but it is a very, very handy application. What Synergy allows you to do is if you have two or more computers on your desktop or on multiple desktops, it allows you to share a single mouse and keyboard between all those machines. Now you think, well a KVM can do that too, but this does it all in software. It's also cross-platform. It will work on Windows. It'll work on Mac, uh, Mac OS 10, and it will work under Linux. It's a really cool thing because, like at work, I have a PC that has three video screens, and next to that, I have an iMac, a 20-inch iMac. So what I've done is I've installed the Synergy server on the Linux machine, so I'm sharing its user, or I'm sharing its keyboard and mouse. And then I have the Synergy client running on Mac OS X. And what happens is all of the screens, all four of the screens I have basically in a semicircle around me on my desk. And when you move the mouse, it will scroll across one screen, the second screen, the third screen, and then straight off the edge of the third screen on the PC and right over to the Macintosh, just as if they were all one computer it's transparent to the user that you're scrolling between multiple machines and the only thing it requires is that you have a port open and network connectivity between the computers because they do talk client-server in order to get this to work but it works pretty seamless and it's uh, incredibly useful it's, it's a little hard to set up because they don't provide you with startup scripts under Linux you have to either start it up by hand or make yourself a little uh, init script So it will start up when your computer starts up. I found a great utility uh, under Windows. Of course, it will uh, do that automatically. You just install it, and you can tell it that you want the client to start up, or the server to start up, whichever one you're using when the computer boots up. And then I found another application called There's two. Well, actually, there's several. There's uh, one called Quick Synergy. There's one called uh, Mac. I think it's Mac OS X Synergy GUI. What these do is they're, they're both for Mac OS 10, and they are front, a GUI front end for Synergy that allows you to start it up automatically at boot time um, and also gives you an easier interface so you don't actually have to type out the command line for Synergy. But there's actually uh, a better one called Synergy KM. This is the one I found the most the easiest to configure and the most useful and it actually sits up in your Mac OS 10 taskbar so that you can actually see Synergy when it's running. It's not down in the dock, it's actually up in the bar and I, I find that really useful. So if you want a GUI interface for Synergy, use Synergy KM. Just do a Google search for that. So I just wanted to let everybody know about Synergy. It's an amazing thing it, and it's uh, really cool especially for the uh, total geek factor when you can watch your mouse uh, zip back and forth between computers seamlessly and effortless, effortlessly and use your one keyboard to type on any machines that you have on your desktop cool product there and uh, the guys who um, I didn't bother to look up who actually wrote it and who's developing it but kudos to them
0: well, I've been uh, looking into that myself. I, I have far too many KVM switches around here. But you know, Russ was giving a description of his computers over there and stuff, and I imagine he's probably sitting over there with his pinky ring on, stroking his kitty cat, waiting for Mister Bond to show up. Because uh, I, I think he's, I think he's fixing to try and take over the world.
1: <laughs> I need to put up a picture of that uh, my displays at work, but. Um, I actually just, just installed Synergy at home here tonight. That was the reason why I was a couple minutes late because remember I've been complaining over the past couple of podcasts about the fact that I needed an extra monitor. Well, I actually, I actually have an extra monitor. Um, I have a, uh, an LCD high definition TV that has a VGA input. Well, I finally took my Linux PC, plugged it into that and plugged my, plug the, uh, dvi connector for my mac mini into the monitor set up synergy so that i'm sharing a single keyboard and mouse and now i can just scroll from my monitor over to my tv and use the same keyboard and mouse with both pcs and i can see them both at the same time so i'm a happy person
0: yes we have far too many far too many peripherals but i can see how they can really help yeah larry bushy was talking about that I send him an email. He sends me an email every once in a while. And, uh, I look forward to trying to get it going. Of course, we're way behind here. I've still got the video project going on. You know, got the camera, have had the camera finally got the firewire card and everything else, but y'all keep hanging in there. Cause we're going to get the videos happening.
1: One final note on synergy. If you're not using a GUI client, you have to enter the configuration yourself, especially on the server side. But the configuration syntax is extremely simple. There's an example file that comes in the uh, packages you download from the repositories that tell you how to set up the server. It's Like I say, it's very, very simple. Once you get it set up, it's real easy to use. And by default, it uses port uh, 24,800. So if you've got a firewall, you'll have to open up port 24,800 in order for Synergy to work. I think that was it. Just, just all the details on synergy there. I'm I've been so happy to use it. Uh, I mean, I didn't even use my iMac before synergy because I never bothered to turn it on because I had to switch keyboard and mouse in order to use it. Now that I don't have to do that. It's on all the time and I use it all the time.
0: Now, see, there you go. He, he was cussing it last week. You know, we were talking about making applesauce and now he, he loves it. Well, I'm glad you're happy with it though, Russ, honestly. I wish I didn't have to have six or eight machines doing one or two jobs apiece around here. <laughs> <laughs> ah, but if you have Synergy, it'll be that much easier. Yeah. i got to go up to the junk store and hunt me down some more monitors here in a few days. It's nice to be able to get 17-inch and bigger monitors at the at the junk store nowadays for 25 bucks. Ted wants to know if Synergy tweaks the GDM scripts.
1: I'm using the server side on... Linux and the Mac OS 10 and Windows clients in order to share the Linux keyboard and as far as I know they do not tweak the GDM scripts at all I use an init script to start up synergy at boot time and I don't I don't mess with it beyond that and as far as the GUI tools if there is a GUI tool for Linux I haven't played with it so with that The flea on the griddle
0: down here in Balt Springs, Texas, is KB5JBV. You can follow me at Twitter. That is twitter.com stroke KB5JBV. Or send me an email at KB5JBV at blacksparrowmedia.com. Or visit the website. You can go on by there. That's LHSinfo.org. And it only took me one time to say it that time. Or come by the forums and leave us a message. We're uh, always open over there at BlackSparrowMedia.com. Just click on the forum link and go on over into the uh, forums and scroll on down to Linux in the Ham Shack and let us know what you think. So I've given you uh, lots and lots of information. But you know
1: what? I bet you, you can hang on because Russ has more. That's right. I'm about to wrap up my side of this show, and I'm Russ, K5TUX. You can follow me on Twitter at twitter.com stroke Jr. Woodman. You can use Jr. Woodman to find me on all the other uh, social networking sites out there from Identica to FriendFeed to MySpace to Facebook to oddnauseum.com. If you want to send me an email, send it to k5tux at blacksparrowmedia.com. Richard told you about the forums, post to the website, give us good feedback, and we'll answer all your questions and comments, and I am definitely going to be looking for a new webcam so I can get back on video, so if anybody out there is still listening this late in the podcast and has a good suggestion for a Linux-compatible webcam, send it my way. And I think that's going to wrap it up for me. From down between the peaks in the Pine Forest in north central Arkansas, this is Russ, K5TUX.
0: And a flea on the griddle somewhere in Texas. This is KB5JBV. We'll see y'all next time.